Let's hope this this works. Okay. I feel like if it doesn't, we might just like self destruct. <laughs> I will go out in the streets and find somebody to, to fight me. <laughs> That's fine. That feels like a healthy outlet to me. Doesn't affect me at all. So. guys it's been a journey we spent the last hour Hour. yeah which people are like that's a lot it's It's a lot lot. i mean it's not but it is i mean we're we're busy ladies i mean i i kind of expected that but i'm also just like i thought i would at least record a sound (laughs) so here we are um we're we've actually backtracked somehow i've ruined my original microphone now we're back to like the microphone that hope bought off facebook so let us know the sound quality i'm gonna try to turn this down a little bit Okay, and yeah, so... Welcome to Fascism Podcast. Welcome to Fascism Podcast, yeah. We're trying really hard. We just want desperately to read things about art and fashion and aesthetics and then to sort of like talk to each other about it and yeah, make connections between all of these, these worlds. What it is, is I think we get obsessive about things like... The true neurodivergent, as they say on the ticky-tocky, people that we are. And then we're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then we are, are, yeah, our neurons and our brains are firing off and we have to talk to each other. And then when we talk to each other, there's some firing off of, like, other things because we're connecting more dots. And then we hope to share that and you guys are also connecting dots that we don't even know about. It's about, like, exploring subcultural aesthetics, but it's also about friendship, like, We have chemistry that's undeniable. Undeniable. Sometimes we argue at parties and people look back and forth at us like they're watching a fucking tennis match. (laughs) (laughs) We've got to use like our obsessiveness for good. Otherwise it's... Yeah, what what, it will just go down the drain. We'll we'll do more drugs. (laughs) Speaking of drugs, can I have a little bit of bite? I need to like recover from... I was was, like hunched over like murmuring And I was like... Okay, honey. <laughs> Hope was like, I'd be like, it, Zoom, blah, microphone. And then she like would type into her computer. I was like try really to trying not to be useful. And it's like, I can't even stay focused at work when I'm getting paid, you know? So I was just like, it's so hard. It is- Dude, yeah, I saw you like play a tutorial and then you got on your phone immediately. And I was like, we're not learning shit. <laughs> I wasn't- but one guy was clearly just like had it out for Zoom. Yeah. The company and was like clearly like... He was just trying to get them to respond, and then they like responded to his YouTube video, and he was like, "Wow, two years later, blah, look who walks in. I'm sure all the people who blah 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 like are gonna want to know what you have to say." It's like, okay, this is not helpful. To and this me. is that's so funny that like the only takeaway uh, we got was like the drama between this one man and this company. Yeah. Z- of, <laughs> of course, we just like we look for answers and we just find gossip. It's gossip, yeah. yeah, useless gossip too. No celebrities were involved. So excited to talk about uh, another episode of Vivian Westwood. I just like, I, I have issues with her personally, mm-hmm. but like 
overall, I think her mind is something that I also didn't like. I I think if she were in the room with us, like we'd all be kind of like working off of each other. I don't know. In some right. sometimes we'd be like, oh my god, Vivian. I have also been finding her like endlessly interesting to read about. I mean, yeah, she's got so many things going for her in her mind. Like the designs, of course, her craftsmanship's amazing, but like where she stems her influence, like where she gets inspiration from, also I just. I love the narrative around a lot of her clothes. Totally. We have been revisiting Vivian Westwood. Um, We did a couple episodes last year. We decided to go back and redo it. We started last time with Punk, which was hugely influential to her and vice versa. And really digging into her ideological evolution because it's so much the focus of Vivian Westwood is like her, what she says about things, her messages like that she sends through clothes but also just like her as a person like the shit that she whatever like people really focus on her ideologies including us and so we wanted to kind of like go back do some more reading and make it more enjoyable uh because our i mean i loved vivian westwood's episodes because we got to do a lot of research on the situationist who um really influenced i just don't think people know how impactful it was to the punk movement And how impactful it was to Vivian, even if Vivian really didn't like, wasn't down for the the situation. Is like Malcolm was so influenced by them that she was influenced by them. Yeah, and it influenced punk, which influenced everything. Yeah. Did I tell you how? Remember last time we were like, I was like, punk is kind of libertarian, and you were like, no, but it's socialist. I looked up the situationist, which isn't exactly the same thing as punk, but it did describe it as Marxist libertarianism. Oh my which I was god. Like, that's not a that's a that's not They're hot. just combining everything. Yeah, that's like hot cold. That's like that's a warm. That's that's a Marxist, I guess. You can't be a Marxist and an individualist. I'm just saying libert- libertarians Okay, let's not get into this. Cuz I don't think libertarianism is just individualistic. It's just it's and it's small government. But that's like it, a lot of individualism has come out of it, and that's how we describe them now. But that might not be inherent to it as a political belief. But anyways, anyways yeah. um, so this is why we are re-recording Vivian Westwood because the, the we're trying to just like give a really complete picture of her and why she's so inspiring, but also why she's like flawed and interesting, and like what made her life and career so whatever. And I went back and I read. Her book with Ian Kelly called Vivian Westwood. We are all over the place right now. We are are we going to do What's Trending? Yeah, let's just, uh, let's honestly just skip most of this intro. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's been a hard, like, yeah, it's been uh, the last hour and a half perplexing. Yeah. Um. So what's trending with you? Trending with me are hair woes. I just want to say before I get started that our What's Trending, if you're new here, we could talk about anything in What's Trending. It could be emotional. It could be projects we're working on romantic you know maybe political yeah and right now i'm just gonna be super fucking vapid and that i got non-consensual curtain bangs i've gotten to a point like two weeks ago a month ago but it was my fault i just want to say like i I came in there not knowing really i thought about the color but i hadn't thought about the cut it was like i was two days out from breaking out in hives like that it was like a very stressful week for me oh yeah 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 so i didn't have a, a good idea of what i wanted and i had been cutting my bangs myself for the past year since I'd gotten a haircut. I mean, that's all I do. Yeah. But so she was like, so I wouldn't have gone as thick 
as you did on them. So I'm going to, you know, kind of blend them. So I just want to say that, like, I was being wishy-washy and also she was trying to undo my errors. But what she left me with was just such a confusing situation. And I've gone to the point where I'm like, I don't, I'm not like, oh, I'm a 10. But I'm just like, I feel hot. I like myself. I can make any haircut work. Yeah. Kind of, even though it's like always long and it's like mostly been similar, like kind of the same. <laughs> Whatever. I think I've, I, I've just convinced myself that it's like, you know, I used to cry after haircuts. Like, oh yeah. But that's because my mom would only take me to like the dollar store for haircuts. <laughs> I mean, they just did not. They would like basically put a bowl on your head and cut. She just would not spend money on me because we didn't have any. But Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like I was spending my, you know, cafe job money getting like expensive haircuts mm-hmm. in high school, like $60, which whatever, I don't remember what it was, 2007 money, you know, <laughs> uh, but, and I would still cry afterwards, you know, they'd cut it too short, they do, so it's like, I felt like I had an ugliest girl in the world world attack where you're yeah. just like, oh my god, no one will ever love me because look at my hair, and I, I've really grown out of that, I'm proud to say, at 32 years old, I do not cry after haircuts, and I'm, I always walk away being like, great. Like, I love my hair. Sometimes it takes some experiment. But I've just been like, I'm just like so annoyed that I have bangs again. I've been doing, I found, I did like a vampy updo for a few weeks that I liked. And I busted out the headband again. I'm just like, I'm making it work, but I'm mad about it. And it's just, that's all. That's all I have to say. (laughs) I mean, I feel that I had a bad haircut. I had extensions for a second. And they were too annoying. And then Rye took them out, and there was dandruff stuck in them. Ew. You don't think it was your dandruff? It was mine, yes. It was just extra gross. There was like a clump of dandruff. Oh, wow. I never noticed your hair as being dandruffy. Well, it had a period there. I don't know. I was going through a transition because I'm like, I thought I was losing my hair, which I was. I, I, I might be still, but I've gone through a hair journey as well is basically what I'm saying. And... I've been putting oils in my hair and I stopped washing it every day. I was washing it every day. I knew that was bad, but I just like couldn't help myself to wash it every day. So I only wash it like twice a week at most. Mm -hmm. And I put oils and stuff in my hair and stuff now. So there was a shift during that time period that my hair was like, what the fuck? And it was like all dry and, you know, fucked. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's hard out there. It really is. What, so what's trending for you? So what's trending with me is spring spring has sprung and i feel also what's really trending for me is like not caring about work and i never will and it's just a reality i have to like deal with every time you're really in it to win it for a second there i still am oh i still am but it's not like i just like the sun's out and then i'm like hmm I'm sorry. I only get to live this one life and there's only so much sun in seattle so i'm not gonna apologize for and a bunch of people left on on friday but to me i was just like we shouldn't even be here at work so it's hard for me to even care about things when i know the possibilities of living free are right in my grips and all i have to do is just stop caring you know literally leave yeah (laughs) i know well i was like realizing how energized i felt now that the sun was out and i was like oh so like that's why i've been so tired maybe now i'll have more energy for work and then i was like no (laughs) no i'm just gonna want to go play yeah, like I'm I'm constantly thinking of outfits while I'm working, uh, but I am working towards my arborist um, exam, and that's something I I am studying. And they hired another arborist that's going to be work. So we're going to have 
two arborists certified at my job and me on my way. And I also got, they told me that I had the full-time position. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So we're going to be unionizing soon enough. <laughs> and anyways, so yeah, it's just being, I like left, I, I called Rye because uh, they, they live right next to me and I was like, on Friday, I was like, we're going to Golden Gates right now. And they were like, well, I have to finish work up. And I was like, ew, what are you saying to me? You can't just do your work. I Sometimes Jackie, I want to punch them. Classic Jackie, though. It's like when they're really needing to work, it's like, I have to work. And then you don't want to go to the beach with them. And all of a sudden, it's like a person. You're, you're like a, you might as well be a Republican. In that <laughs> yeah, so I got them to like. And we went to the beach, and of course it was packed. And, you know, people were parking in spots they shouldn't be. And then so, like, the police were having a heyday, and I was really mad about that for a second. And then we got to this spot, and it was super windy. It's never what you think it's going to be. It's just funny, you know? It's like, I was, like, thinking I was going to be on the beach all hot and, like, have a hamburger in hand or something. But it was, like, windy, and we were like, and there was somebody playing, like, fucking EDM. Always, (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, it was still nice, but it's just funny because we we came and we're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't so hot on Friday. I guess it was actually. It was 70 degrees, 75 degrees. I, yeah. I was sweating. I was meeting a friend for a drink and I was like, she asked me to meet at the Unicorn, which is in a basement. Really cool bar. But I mean, it's not the whole thing's not in a basement, but it's all inside. And then sure enough, they were in the basement. I was just like, this is, it's really hard for me to hang out with her during the summer because she avoids the sun. And I'm like, I, I, it it makes me mad. Does she really avoid the sun? Uh Like, does she get a heat rash or something? She doesn't like the heat and then she also doesn't, it's like, I imagine part of it's for her skin. Oh yeah, but you just wear a hat. Yeah. Yeah. I think she also just doesn't like the heat. I mean, I'm with her. She's from San Francisco. It's like really cloudy there. I when I went to the park yesterday, I'm out and about. Like there was a little debate because like Kasha wanted to sit in the sun, and I was like, no, we sit in the shade. And so we had to like do half shade, half yeah, half sun like thing. Dappled <laughs> is really the way to go. It I really know. is. It really, it really is. Yeah, we let's get start. Let's actually get started now. We are redoing our Vivian Westwood series. Last week we talked about punk, which was hugely influential to Vivian and vice versa. And today we're going to finish out talking about her life and how her her viewpoints changed as she started transitioning into runway and the, what, what was inspiring her from then on. Like she'd moved away from the punk scene. So like what, basically what happens next? And we had left off last week. Was she split with Malcolm? I think. No, she, we hadn't split yet. But okay. she was still like in the seditionary. So this, the punk scene came with the seditionary store. And that's where like the Sex Pistols met. And eventually it became the sex. It's called Redefines the Sex Store. Uh-huh. That was a little bit, little bit later. That's why, you know, Sex Pistols sex. Yeah. And so Vivian Westwood has this creative partnership with Malcolm McLaren and. And lovers slash enemies love yeah lovers slash friendlies and so they they do their pirates collection together and so as vivian and malcolm's relationship comes to an end she has to forge her own path within fashion on one hand she's been making everything so like she's got that going for her yeah she hadn't had her name in any of the clothes but she hadn't had her name he owned world's end or like they owned it together like i wonder how they she got him out of that 
Yeah, and so he goes to America. He just fucks off. Uh, just so we know, so we're clear before we get to the fact that he's going to America. World's End was, is their same store. It's same a store. store. It's still there. It's still there. It still exists. It, it was the sex store. It was the seditionary store. It was like the Die Young, Live Free live fast, store, whatever. Yeah. The fact that they had so many different names. They like rebrand, not even because they have to. It's like they're, they have business. They're not rebranding to like for business. They're rebranding because they get bored. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they also do a lot. Malcolm does it for business, but like to like prank businesses at the same time. Anyways, yeah, it's like World's End is the name of Vivian Westwood's shop now. Then at the, that was the last time they ever changed it. So, okay. Yeah. And so Malcolm goes to America and Vivian Westwood has two kids and debt. So like they had done the Pirates Collection at this point and like people know who she is. To some degree, she meets this guy named Carlo De Mario at a Paris fashion show in 1985. He's this Italian man with experience in fabric buying, business stuff. And he says, when I met Vivian Westwood, I thought she was a multimillionaire because in some ways she was more famous in 1985 than she is now. This was written in the 90s. I was very shocked when she said to me how little money she made. Luckily, she seduced me. So she meets this guy. Italians. He agrees to be her manager and he sets her up producing clothes in Italy. Meanwhile, Malcolm is calling people to try to get them not to work with her. He's so, yeah, he's he hates her at this point. Like he despises her. He he hated her while he was dating her. So but Malcolm was like now that they were officially Now he couldn't use her. Yeah. He was he he went out of his way to make sure that he would talk shit about how poor she was in sex to people like out loud and like which I think is cr- evil. <sighs> Yeah. Super. You don't tell people, you tell your best friend when you're laughing about it. Like, and not, I just feel like women should never be made fun of for not being good enough in bed. It's men that think they're good in bed and that's the problem. But anyways. It's like overall, it's like not a very kind thing to say. And in this case, he it's just like the cherry on top of how evil he is. Yeah. He's just, he, yeah, he's out to, for vengeance. vengeance. He is Tom Sandoval. Like I've said, I will keep saying this until somebody gets back to me and agrees with me on <laughs> Until it. someone's like, oh my God, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, And so it's complicated with Malcolm, who owns World's End, and Vivian's name is just nowhere. So Carlo is like, okay, well, everyone in Italy and France and Japan knows who you are. So moving forward, your brand is Vivian Westwood. And he goes, he like drives to London. He sees her house and office and he's like, oh, fuck, this is really punk. Like she's broke. And he sells his car. He just drove over from Italy. He just sells his car. He's like, all right, I'm staying here. He gets Armani to give them 150,000 pounds. They briefly bang, but it's like not really a thing. And he was still her manager for like ever after that. Um, The Italian dude? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as of like the writing of this, this book that I'm referencing, the 2016 book with her and Ian Kelly, they the majority of the production is still in Italy. And so it exemplifies this designed in the UK, made in Italy and sold to the to Asia paradigm that's now emerging in fashion that is yeah no she was still hung up on malcolm at this time even though he was talking shit so i'm sure it's like i think that's why she wasn't like i don't know maybe head over hills i mean maybe she just wasn't that into him right but this was the first guy that she'd gotten with after malcolm and it was pretty much immediate and um like the the week that they announced their I guess going away like separate I mean he had already Malcolm was already seeing like everybody else like, yeah it didn't even matter. it's like they had been kind of like I'm sure things had dissolved in a lot of ways already yeah by then. yeah but I think she was looking for a man I don't know there's just like a, she runs into a man to save her in this situation and that's kind of like something that you'll you'll see throughout her life that it's like a pattern that she kind of 
looks for. I I don't know that I would agree with that. Like, I feel like from this point on, you don't see that a ton. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, does she definitely does like to do business with people she's sleeping with. But it doesn't actually happen that many times throughout her career. It's like she has a really long career. I mean, she has a super long career. But she hooks up with somebody at, at like, what, 60? That's the guy that she's with, Andre? 48. So it stops at 48. But there, so she does it twice in her life, basically. She does it, she does it like five times. With who? She sleeps with some people, this Italian dude being one of them. I mean, their relationship. And it goes to another guy that like is her mentor. Gary Ness is gay. They're not, it's, that's not romantic. Yeah, I, I'm pushing back on that. And I don't think that that characterizes her career like that. I mean, yeah, obviously Malcolm was a huge thing, but it's also like. She's in these situations where she's like broke and she's been like completely fucked over. Mm -hmm. So this guy comes and he's like, basically, I know this stuff about business. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, we're going to do this. So, and he's also European, which she was like, she was really getting into that kind of like craftsmanship. Yeah. Right. And, and this guy like knew what the fuck he was doing. So, and so here we see her like really transition from punk as being like the ideology that's influencing her and that she's expressing in her designs to referencing the past like historical references become like really central to her designs from here on out and it's interesting because i think we've talked about various ways that her like her life or her work doesn't align with her ideologies or the ways that like she really just pivots throughout her life being like oh i'm one way now i'm the other and this one was one i hadn't even really thought of before but i think is like the defining change in her ideologies was that under punk and the situationists culture was seen was seen as a vehicle for like the commodification of the commodification of art right culture and like the 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 production of culture by the elite as being like not like whatever the situationists weren't for it and now she's all about culture yeah well the culture was for the mainstream media that's what they hated the most like and they were like partaking part of it they didn't want to be part of culture because that means they're mainstream but they also like so they wanted to disrupt the mainstream by creating happenings well and also the commodification of it like yeah and so so now she really she never really cared to begin with though about that i it's hard to know though don't you think i mean she's never talked about it it's never it's like all malcolm that does all the stuff because you've seen interviews with her and stuff and you're I've saying- seen interviews in, with her. I've read a bunch of books. I've read a bunch of essays. It's never she's never really been like, oh, the situations what inspired me to do it, or like anything kind of it was more of Malcolm, completely just Malcolm being like the inspiration. And so you think she was just writing it on the t-shirts to be like his little lackey. Yeah. And then I, this is the moment where she's kind of just like, she never even really, I don't think she went in depth with the ideology. She never really did like deep research or probably even read their book. Cause why would you? It's not even that interesting to be quite honest, but. She wasn't as directly. Yeah. She wasn't, she didn't participate as directly in situationism proper. So it's like, really, did she flip flop? Not really, but I still think it's interesting to right. point out that she came from this ideology of situation right. and that it was like almost at its core anti-culture and now culture is like till she dies basically culture is everything to her and and specifically high culture mm-hmm. art like elite created european culture. yeah she's like fucking english mad for that shit and yes yeah and she becomes really really english really like her work is really focused on english stuff her gaze turns to the history of ideas and the history of art as a means to critique the present it's the thatcher era everyone's like fuck the system fuck coca-cola but fashion wasn't considered part of the system so it's like um that was convenient (laughs) um 
The ebullience of punk segued into the swagger of fine tailoring and lush reference to the past. It looked like a volt face, which I looked up. That means like a U-turn. It looks like uh, whatever. But to Vivian, it was seamless. She starts a band called Choice. They searched for a lead singer and landed on model Sarah Stockbridge, who became the face of Vivian Westwood basically for the rest of the 80s and 90s. And it was meant to be a fusion project like the six that like the Sex Pistols. It would be about a look, aka Vivian's clothes, and the idea of the use of high art in pop culture, along with English folk tunes reimagined by Vivian. So she's still like grooving. She's still doing music stuff at this point, and like they make this band. Um, and then she also has a new muse, Canadian homosexual athlete called Gary Ness. He is a struggling artist, like portrait artist, and he comes to World's End, the store, and asks her if he can do her portrait. He's working in pastels because, like, he doesn't have room in his apartment for paint or something. I don't know, they just, they specifically called out that, like, he was doing pastels and, like, he had some reason for it. (laughs) I don't know. I love it. That's fair, though. And he worked with Roland Penrose, throwback to our Lee Miller episode on... Roland Penrose's Picasso book and side note Gary was loyal to Lee and said he was driven to drink by Penrose's womanizing like Gary Ness was like so stressed out that Penrose is always like having sex with other people see this is the info we need we need the real story we need the I know I know this perspective that did not showcase how probably cruel a Penrose was to Lee. I mean, they were always like, she was drunk. And I'm like, yes, but there's probably some rooted issues there. Right. And Gary imparts. That's a crazy overlap, though. I know. Yeah. Everything's connected. Everything's connected when you all, when you read just about like art in England. Yeah. Yeah, There's literally six people. (laughs) Yeah. So he, Gary Ness imparts these ideas onto Vivian, such as. There is no progress in art, which is an idea that we'll see later in her manifesto that I'm going to talk about. They'd see each other multiple times a week. She was giving him money. He was basically like on her payroll, kind of like as her inspiration. Like, you know how like rich people have everyone on their payroll? After her first runway. Yeah. Okay, so her first runway was Pirates, and that was the last time Michael was seen. That's like the last like project that they did together. And he didn't do any of the designs, but he came out on the floor and was like, thank you, thank you. Oh, Anyways, God. There's a whole story I, I talk about on TikTok. Check it out if you're interested. Because yes, yeah. it also talks about how creepy he is toward his 14-year-old lead band mate. But anyways, um, so this is all after that. This is like a, a few years in to her by herself doing the runway. Yeah, yeah. And, just, and side note, maybe we should say this earlier, but – we're going to be doing another episode that's like more focused on the fashion. So I'm trying to like not yeah. go go like too deep into the fashion stuff. But obviously it's all it's all related. So they're seeing each other multiple times a week. He would tell her what to read. He titled her collections. She says he's her biggest influence bar none. And basically they're close partners during the years between her relationship with Malcolm and Andreas. She during this time realizes that quote true culture is not about a break with the past the only thing I really believe in is culture. There is, There has never been an age where people have had so little respect for the past. Ness, like many of his generation, saw the political emancipation of the age of revolutions. So he says like the, he saw in the political emancipation of the AIDS, age of revolutions, the seeds of decay in Western culture. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so the age of revolutions, of course, JK, I had to look it up is the like you know american revolution french revolution irish rebellion of 1798 it's like 17 1700s and 1800s all these revolutions i don't understand why they think it, it led to the decay of culture i guess because it's like new stuff they're up their own asses is what i assume well apparently it's like a it's a this 
the shift that happened at this period of time is like talked about a lot as like a pivotal. Well, I guess it was like. It was a very big shift in government. Being king and having a king kingdom, it meant to show your wealth was to like support the arts in a lot of ways. And when your government doesn't care about that, I'm sure because they had no reason to like, they didn't want to show off their wealth. That wasn't Mm -hmm. the point of it. Mm -hmm. Like America, one of it was to like not have taxes and to have slaves, <laughs> which was a, their own uh, version of wealth. But anyway, so I think that was like maybe in that sense, since there was no kind of like power head to like be that authority figure that values art as as seen yeah. as like representing their country or whatever or themselves, that stopped really existing. Yeah, she says the best things are to be debated and created by an educated elite. Yep. See, this is my problem with her. This is when I get annoyed with her because she talks like this. Yeah. She gets all up in her own ass and she thinks that she's better than everybody, which she is very, very talented, not to not say. She's talented and she has a thirst for, like, knowledge and art and whatever. But, yeah, it's very, like... It's, like, it's white supremacy, really. Like, she has the language of a, a true English woman. Right. Of being, like, we need, we only smart and wealthy people need to have kids. Okay. Like, right. what do you really mean? Right, right. And, like, I don't know, when people call other, like, groups of people dumb and uneducated, I'm like, no, you mean poor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, so, and she's saying, like, oh, like, things should be based on clear knowledge of the best of the past. Their fruits should be an offer to all, of course, but they will not be appreciated by all. I don't know what she's saying here. This, this is another thing about her. I think she like is so desperate to sound smart that she doesn't really make sense. I don't know if her motivation is to sound smart. I feel like she is consuming so much hoity-toity shit that like it's like you get the mix of hoity-toity art and prose and whatever she's consuming mixed with like her like tint whistle accent mixed with her being just an Aries like really intense person and maybe with like extreme ADHD quite honestly because when she talks I'm like she's like going on she doesn't stop talking uh-huh. like when the interviews no no one can have a word yeah otherwise yeah there's some funny moments like the granddaughter's like yeah I went to go meet her at the museum and she like said that my outfit was like really comfortable and, like, was basically pissed that her granddaughter hadn't shown up to the museum, like, fancy or, like, looking good. Honestly, I would be pissed. I, I was like, that's giving Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, that. I I didn't make this a grand, amazing uh, fashion line for you to come in here with sweatpants. Mm-hmm. Not at least next to me. Anyways, but does she ever talk about how much she talks? Well... She just seems like she's on speed. She yeah. She talks about her. She talks about Vivian Westwood reading to her, and they'd read of mice and men together, and that like, you know, Vivian would spend the whole day with her reading her this book, but that like she'd pause and go on tangents so much during it that it took like an entire day. <laughs> but then the granddaughter Cora was like, I did really well in that book. So, I mean, know. she got reading comprehensive for sure. But that sounds that's exactly yeah. the how Vivian is. Like she's just yeah. a talker. Yeah, and so she's drawing from the 17th and 18th centuries and is reading and going to museums constantly. She has some sexy collections with corsets, short skirts, and then some like nude tights with leaves on the crotch. And in some ways you could read this as an extension of like the sex store and how it's about like sex being shocking and like freedom, like, oh, you can't tell us like not what not to do. It's A lot of it's about like um, kind of like laughing at English sensibility. 
And it's all actually also playing with enlightenment ideas of Greek classical slash pagan during this time. Sensuality characterized by a critical approach to religious, social, and philosophical matters that seeks to repudiate beliefs or systems not based on or justifiable by reason. This was with the Romantic period. Yeah. But she she took it on as her own for sure. And this is like where the cor- corsets, I mean like yeah. the 90s was like really entered another level but the, with the corsets and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's like an extremely fruitful period of time for her. Yeah. But what's so intriguing, like you're saying, she's like, she's actually replicating historic clothing. Right. It's not just like, her like like giving an image like a mosaic image of the historic it's like no she's like replicating the cuts mm-hmm. that's what she says too it's like she's she is most proud of her cuts she says like the way she like replicates patterns or just like makes patterns and she does the corset that's like the stretchy material instead of the boning mm-hmm. that like in what i was reading said like has influenced the way we like make dresses ever since then you know with like mm-hmm. the like corseting inside the dress um and so it's like it's kind of greek but it's also british in that it's referencing the age of reasons fascination with the sexual and its imagery in the classical world so the romantic period too like with the thing of a corsets it's like that kind of corset style because there's different kind of corsets but also like it was about the enlightenment as well there's an enlightenment period mm-hmm. and definitely an obsession with the greeks yeah. Still during that time. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I see why she... But a lot of her clothes lay kind of like a toga with a corset bonding. Yeah. And... But they're, it's beautifully draped. It almost looks like you're wearing... Like you're one of those like um, marble statues that... Yeah. She's all about movement. How, how clothes make you move. And so for some people, the sexuality of the collections fell out of place. But there is a connection in that it's like all drawing from from this time period so like i mean i'm just not smart enough to really understand that like or i just don't know enough about the enlightenment era where i'm like haven't people always been obsessed with sex but i guess like the imagery of the era was very sexual Mm, no i would say they're still pretty conservative in a lot of ways i mean it depends on what era it depends on what group of people we're talking about that's what i'm saying no one's this, the author hadn't said romantic era, so I don't know that that's the same thing as the Age of Reason and, and the Enlightenment era. Uh, it it it's, is. It's the it's very much in the same time period. Like the they Enlightenment area has like is like certain writers. That's what we're talking about, and it's they're all French. And it's it's during that period that there also is a romantic period era because okay, yeah. it's like with music and all that stuff. It's like yeah yeah yeah. I'm just gonna read this really quick. So. The Age of Enlightenment, also known as the Age of Reason, was an intellectual and philosophical movement that occurred in Europe in the 17th and 18th centuries with global influences and effects. The Enlightenment included a range of ideas centered on the value of human happiness, the pursuit of knowledge obtained by means of reason and the evidence of the senses, and ideals such as natural law, liberty, progress, toleration, fraternity, constitutional government, and the separation of church and state. Okay. Just contrast that with... Okay, so then Romanticism was an artistic and intellectual movement that originated in Europe towards the end of the 18th century in most parts of Europe. It was at its peak approximately from 1800 to 1850, characterized by its emphasis on emotion, individualism, clandestine literature, and paganism. Interesting, because a lot of it was also during 1760, I thought. I thought the Romantic period. I think the time period is kind of argued because I've I've looked at different 
Yeah. That's how it, it says always it, is. It's greatly, va- it like varies, but it's roughly between 1770 and 1848. Yeah. So. And 17, like 20 and 40 is when like Voltaire and the Enlightenment. I don't know. It's like 1700s is uh, when the Enlightenment period happened. And so Enlightenment is like age of reason. So it's like science and stuff, but then it's also focused on art. It's focused on art in the sense that it values art, in the sense that it values culture. Uh-huh. Voltaire was the was the one of the big ones is like the person the writer that i think like the head if you if we were to pick like one person that's represent um the enlightenment period although he was like catholic i'm pretty sure i could be wrong on that anyways but a lot of it was just about like you know equity (laughs) and equality and catherine the great was really taken by a lot of these ideas because she was during this time period and the catherine the great wanted to like free um the serfs but like right. knew she couldn't do that right. and like you know th- and that was because of a lot of the enlightenment that she'd been uh, yeah. given or writ- re- reading in her yeah. in her time and i know louis the 15th which is louis the 14th who did the versailles building his so that's his like grandson apparently that became the king and didn't it didn't go well but anyways he like did some st- he like made had a peace treaty and the french people were really pissed about it but like Voltaire loved it. So like there was kind of like that was that was a shift in movement. Yeah. Like things were happening. Yeah. People were like it, it was only the upper class lot, people that could read that were accessing this benefit. Right, right. But a lot of people and peasants were really fucking sick of it. Right. So, so she's so she's into this. I'm going to cut all of that down. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I thought it was all, I feel like this is all, this, I mean, this is what this episode is about, is about her obsession with high art history, specifically the 1700s and 1800s, how she feels like the revolutions just made everything shitty. No one cares about art anymore. And she says, Englishness is vital to what I do. It's about cut. It's about irony and it's about risk taking and it's about politics. And she pulls from the many English styles. This is like something that she's character that's characteristic of her is that there's like obviously so many rich motifs within like what it is to be English. Like they're obsessed with dogs, but there's also like the plaids, whatever. There's like a lot of different parts of English history, obviously. And she's pulling from them all and like putting them all together and she has a sense of humor about it. I mean, the fig leaf tights, like it's funny. Like there's someone in the book who's talking about like hearing her in the other room trying them on for the first time and just like hysterically laughing um which i thought was really sweet yeah clothes should be fun they don't always have to be so serious yeah in 1987 vivian said i'm never happier than when i'm parodying the english and it is english taboo surrounding sex nudity and morality that she enjoys challenging the most by blending garments and eras that are seemingly so incongruous in the like mini skirts corsets crinoline she Creates clothes that are visually jarring, bringing together familiar elements seen in countless other images, yet fracturing their usual meanings by placing them in a new context. Um, oh, I think this is the line about the knobs. I won't say it if you're going to. Um, <laughs> you should say it. It doesn't really matter. It's English aristocracy is only the middle class with knobs on, she said of the ruling class in 1997. It, who said that? English, uh, Vivian. Vivian. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. She believes that, yeah, monarchs of the past paid more attention to patronizing the arts, to developing visual culture and literature. I I mean, not wrong, right? Like, there was more focus on art. Not that that was necessarily good, because like you're saying, it's like 
yeah, some of it was a focus on art, a.k.a. churches that were built to be like, look, we love God this much. I mean, like Louis Fourteenth, Sun God, like the way that he obtained a lot of the wealth to show off Versailles and his love of art and to fund all these things was through war. Mm-hmm. So it's not good. Like he had to spend, he did a lot. And at the end of his life, he was like, I think I loved war too much. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Fully would have journaled or a little something earlier. He could have pulled out some of these themes. She's using the Harris tweed. She's she has this look where Kate Moss is dressed like Mary Antoinette, topless wearing an ice cream cone. She's like she's bringing in these images of royalty, but she's kind of like poking fun at it. And she says to identify or someone says to identify with the queen is presumptuous to dress up like her is to forget your place. The fact that the queen's clothes have, have been traditionally reviled in the fashion world as lacking in style and sex appeal also marks them out as yet more fertile ground for Vivian Westwood's strategic play on the interrelated themes of Englishness in class. Yeah. And a lot of this also still in the 90s is which was where she was really showing herself as an individual and as an individual with her own line and as well as like she wasn't rich yet like we were saying this was her decision to be taken seriously and this was like all in hopes of like making it just purely as a fashion designer at this point so you're saying that you think she brought in these themes of like british aristocracy to be taken seriously i think there was an element of that yes I mean, to in hopes, I mean, like it was definitely because she was interested. She doesn't do anything that she's not interested in because I think she is ADHD. Just like uh, why she wouldn't do it. She would be. Yeah. It just wouldn't happen. Um, But I think there was definitely this like she needed to like get away from the punk scene that she needed to like kind of like wash away this out of date (laughs) concept, I guess, at that point and really show herself as an independent designer that aristocrats would want to wear interesting i mean she's not but she's not necessarily making clothes that like would be like easily palette like she's the actual clothing that she's making isn't like oh it would fit so easily within like an aristocrat's wardrobe yeah but she's hiring the prices going up every year but like this is the point where she's like i'm gonna be legitimate this is a legitimate, this is a push for her to be seen as, like, someone on the level of Gucci. Like, this is, like, the intent behind her clothes at this point was to establish her as a professional fashion designer. Yeah, she's definitely, yeah, she's, I mean, she transitioned into runway. Like, that was a choice. And she's very much on the path to being a fashion designer. I mean, or she is one. She is one. At this point, that's what I'm saying. And I mean, her clothes are being shown as like, yeah, elegant, like beautiful. I mean, and. But again, to just to recall, like she's doing like leggings that are nude, but with a figly fern on the crotch. You know, she's not like. That's one of the things she did. Yeah. I mean, that's just an example. Yeah. Like they're like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I feel like she is clearly trying to make it within the fashion business, but she's not. I don't think that, like, she was being strategic in that, like, she was like, oh, I need to be taken seriously. Oh, she 100% was. To say that she wasn't is not... People don't get famous just out of nowhere. She also had a manager. I guess, so, I mean, she literally... Yeah, because she's running a business, so there's, like, various people working with her. 
But, like, I'm saying that, like, I don't know that the subject matter of her collections was a strategic move in that, like, her clothes didn't look like anything else people were doing. So, like, if she wanted to just blend in and, like, make it in that world, I can imagine her. Like, I don't know that that was. Yeah, I don't think she was ever trying to blend in. I think she just needed to be seen as something other than just this punk rock person well i mean keep in mind also though that like punk yeah she definitely got famous during punk and like yeah she's like not doing that anymore and and the rave scene was big for her in the 80s so there was just like in the 90s when she was like i need to fucking make money there was just there was an intent behind making money at least and i don't think you can make a lot of money in the way that she was showcasing before because it was like pop colors it was very day glow is very like the pirate the whole that scene in the 80s and then the 90s were a shift into this romantic again this like era of like showcasing something different something i think that wasn't just for the 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 people (laughs) you know what i mean like it wasn't taken from the streets is well definitely not and her prior the street and her were like in constant communication definitely yeah and this was a uh, not that very much so yeah she was yeah very explicitly she was in communication with street culture before and now is not i 100 percent agree with that particular statement she in the past like we've critiqued her because she's like kind of parodying the the rich but she's like or the like elite but she's like gets into the vna museum the victorian albert museum like gets becomes a dame whatever as i go back now i'm like she was never really like saying that much about the elite in her show like you're saying like at this point she's kind of like she's very much like i'm about i'm about high art now that's my thing Mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm talking about i'm i'm in conversation with like british history and elite and the royalty but it's like she wasn't like it wasn't she was never like fuck the queen like in her collection well she wasn't in, in her prior right. in like the punk scene yeah but like in her collections definitely not she said she was parodying a lot of stuff yeah. which you can kind of tell but at the same time how far does parodying come when it actually just becomes like you know what i mean like i feel like she was going full circle with like wealthy people were buying her clothes even like i think she even dressed the queen at some point like it just becomes like a full like I don't know, like, how much parodying are you actually doing? What do you mean, like, her and the queen hung out? I don't know, there's, you know what I mean? Like, are you making fun of the aristocrat, or are you actually just, like, Which pot- I think you pandering can do with both. them? Like, yeah. I feel like you can, you don't have, like, you can make fun of... Yeah, but I think it just less becomes, par- less of a parody. I don't know, at that I point. I disagree. I think you can parody something without completely re- Announcing it. Yeah, I guess so. But she becomes it. That's what I'm saying. It's not like she she's not. She doesn't really. Like, I want to say, I just want to point out, at one point, there's like 10 designers people point to that are like the best designers in the world. She's like the only independent brand on that list. Like her company, she, so like she is trying to make money. This is a company. Right. But it's like vastly different than like the other conglomerates that. Totally. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying she does she desperately wants to be part of the aristocrat world yeah and she panders to them but saying and then she's like parodying them at the same time which which she says she is but then it becomes like she is it it evolves into her own like she's she's with the elite like yeah well and it's always been like that in terms of like at the fashion who's at the fashion shows it's like she's 
it's almost like she's doing a roast to them. Like, I would never really say it's a roast roast. It's just like, it's more like, ooh, sexy boobs. Okay. So she's, it's like, yeah, it's like she's trying to get in with them by parodying them. It's like, look, I'm making a joke about like rich people like us. Like it's, she's very much like you're, like you're saying, very much committed to the elite of it all at this point. Yeah. Once she's like, hits the runway, she's like, all right, so we're doing it. We're like, it's like, I guess what I'm saying is like her parodies of the, of royalty could be read as like subversive, but, or they could be read as like being chummy. Like, look, we're all like, yeah, look how goofy it is to be rich and British and yeah. stuff like we are. Yeah. She likes to put on the costume and become, but also like, is there a story in particular of this time? Like, I'm trying to remember there's something that happens. Oh, she gets like like becomes a dane it's like right. you said and that's a big moment in time because it's funny because i mean that's a there's a story there because that's famously her pussy shows mm-hmm. her vagina her like skirt out. flies up yeah and she's not wearing any underwear and she is fully you can see everything. they like take a picture it's like in the tabloids yeah and she's just smiling i love that for her and the, apparently the queen thought it was funny yeah because her and the queen are friends <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> they're buds it is yeah and so Eventually, the Victorian Albert Museum like buys a bunch of her early, the like early Westwood McLaren items from a collector. She gets like an exhibit, an exhibit there. Um, she says, "I'm interested in bodies and in shocking people, but the most interesting way to do that can be to take things from the past." When you look to the past, trying to copy technique, you start to see standards of excellence, the good taste, and the way things are put together, yada, yada. So she starts teaching at the at the Vienna Academy of Applied Arts in 1988. It's about historic costume. You have to apply to be in the course. And she, at one of the times she asks the applicants to make an animal out of cardboard. And this guy named Andreas Kronthaler makes a cow. And he's in her class. He's 23, she's 48, and they kind of, they fall in love, basically. It creeps me out, but whatever. Jackie hates love. <laughs> you, if you want Jackie to like your relationship, there's like a hundred list checklist. <laughs> there really is. Off. There really is. But 23 and 48 is not, it's not great. They are, he's wanted to do fashion his whole life. He's the son of a blacksmith and a dairy farmer's daughter. He, whatever. hot. He like... From a young age, decided he wanted to do fashion. He signs up to the, do this class. He's, like, obsessed with, like... Fashion. Costume. Fashion, yeah. He... They kind of, like, you know, he's her teacher for a while. Like, at some point... She's flying into Vienna for this class. So sometimes he'll, like, meet her at the airport and whatever. And, like, then they... and But they haven't hooked up yet. He... She hires him in London. He comes, like... He said he didn't move in with her when he first came to London he was staying, basically living at the office because he didn't have a home. Uh, he said it was like being back in the attic at home with my mother's old clothes. He would sleep on Vivian's fake fur stuff as a bed and like piles of fabric and then just like put it away in the morning. Well, yeah, he's 23. Yeah. He can do that. <laughs> I Funny enough, but the next quote I have from her says, he is very practical. I'm like, yeah, he just found those fabric scraps and just laid on them. Tucked himself in. Um have you seen that TikTok trend where it's like when your friend, you stay at your friend's house, no one has a blanket. And it's like you're just like people make random things to put on top of themselves. Dude, uh, I've totally done that. Exactly. Exactly. 
<laughs> that sounds like it. So Andrea says, I, I, I had read that Yves Saint Laurent drank a bottle of whiskey every day. And I thought, I'm going to do the same, you know, because that's the route to genius. Turns out it's not. Like I say, said, I was very young. Vivian was very forgiving. That sketches me out. So, yeah, it sounds like he was drinking a lot and being a dumb dumb. Dun- he's being a 23-year-old. Right. Uh, um, but very forgiving. You don't. There's nothing to be forgiven for. You don't think that maybe he did, if you're drinking a bottle of whiskey a day, it's possible that you're doing some... I would say, yeah, because she decided to date a 23-year-old. Like, I would be like, I would be like, that expected, expected. I mean, I don't... I don't think that every 23-year-old drinks a bottle of whiskey a day. I don't know. <laughs> you are so full of shit, dude. Like, uh, but if you were 23 dating a 23-year-old, that would also be a problem. For sure, but, like, you're also more capable of making these huge mistakes than you're expected to. Like, the, I don't know. Like, I feel for him in the sense that maybe he needs to – everybody needs to ask for forgiveness on some level at some point. But I feel like he felt guilty because she was so, quote-unquote, loyal. But, like – I don't think he should feel guilty because he was going through the normal pains and grow, growing pains of being in your 20s and yeah. fucking up consistently. Right, right. Yeah, hard to know exactly what's happening behind the scenes from that quote, but I, yeah, it's, she is like loyal to a degree that's like, you don't have to be loyal back just because someone's loyal to yeah. you. Like you can... Um, you don't, I don't know. I don't think you need forgiveness for being 23. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. People do some really bad shit. I mean, they are awful people. That's what I'm saying. But I I don't think you could just allow to be awful because, I mean, yeah, I get that, like, within the context of this being an age gap relationship, it's, I, you're saying that he's young, but, like, there's not, there is a world where also you're just being a huge fuck like you totally like and you you're drinking way too much and you're like I don't know I think you can expect like you're not allowed to be trash just because you're 23 and I don't even know what he did I'm just saying there could be like maybe he did something really bad and yeah I mean he probably cheated on her like I'm gonna assume like why also he was with her for a really long time to not think he didn't. But anyway, no, she doesn't think he did it. She knows. She's like, I would never. It's actually kind of intense. She's like, I would never demand anything from a man, which I'm like, that checks out. Exactly. That makes me I'm like, what? You should be. And then you throw him away. <laughs> like, you know, uh, yeah, it's just I that was like where I guess he cheated on her. But also like he's 23. I don't know. You need to explore. I don't know. You don't you. Don't, what does it mean to be a shithead at 23? It's different from like being in a relationship. If you're like fucking around at 23, whatever. But if you're fucking around when you're 32 and you've been in a relationship for like eight years, that's different. You know, like that's there's a there's a different level of like and it comes with a little bit of age and also, like, time with people. So I don't know. like, Which, and I mean, those things are ever evolving, right? Like, 23 then – I'm not – and I'm not saying this to defend an age gap relationship. I'm just saying that, like, the way we think about maturity evolves where, like, 23 is kind of – like, as – like, our, like, period of youth is getting bigger and bigger. So, like, I just don't know that there's, like, a, a set time – that people need to be mature or not. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we focus a ton on age in our society. Like, we're like, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Well, technically, it's like when your frontal lobe is supposed to be developed because you don't make such, like... I don't really buy that. I mean, I know it's a scientific thing. thing. It's like 25. So, like, what? So, like, but then it's... So no, it's like, like a 28, I think, now. 
They've when that, your frontal lobe is like cut off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just I think it's just like the control. What's it? What does the frontal lobe do? It's like your control. It's like impulse. Uh-huh. It's impulse. So the less developed it is, the more impulsive you are. That's all. Okay, so she says about their age gap, in France, they give you medals for that sort of thing. But in England, you'd get arrested these days. He says, I loved Vivian and I loved working with her. I jumped right into that and she just gave me all this freedom and also responsibility and just without thinking, I took it on. And it's like, yeah, the way they talk about it is how I imagine everyone talks about being in an age gap relationship where they're like, I didn't expect it. And then it just kind of happens. Like, you know, obviously, obviously they say that. Yeah, the way... Uh, Vivian talks about it makes me want to vomit but why because she's just like you know the way she talks already annoys me Uh (laughs) and and then when she talks about being in love I'm like ew stop she just like uses these big puffy words just like I don't know like yeah I mean it grosses me out for some reason she could be talking about anybody and it doesn't it's not an age gap and it's just like the way she talks about being in love just like I'm like you're yeah. corny. Yeah, like when she said a, a day without Malcolm would be like a day without Brazil or something. A world <laughs> a world without Malcolm. Exactly. Um, yeah, she has no chill. Yeah, basically they start working together. He's very practical. He sees these things in black and white. Um, just today, Vivian says, I said to our personal assistant, like she's contrasting the difference between them. She says, today I said to my assistant, I want to be in touch with whoever's running China. I love Chinese painting. I think it's like the high point of human achievement. Traditional Chinese civilization persisted fundamentally unchanged for thousands of years up until 1911, since when you had a revolution and now a copy of the American See, financial model. I think China could be inspired to fully embrace tr- true human values by switching to a true value economy. See, this is what I'm saying. I'm like, you're just saying things now, Vivian. I mean, it's not that she's wrong. But she's not. Yeah, it's just. You don't just go talk to China. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. She's like, uh, she's so in her own, that's so Aries, so in her own world of like big idea, can do whatever, but also like saying the most vague, I don't know, like true, what do you even mean by true, like? It probably is an actual term for thing. I mean, planned economy is a thing, but it's a socialist thing. And I, I don't know. I don't, I just. Uh, I'm just saying, just because you don't know what it is, doesn't mean it's not a phrase. Like it could, it could be like a, like there is a, it doesn't really seem like there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. I just don't think she, she just says words like stuff together where I'm like, you, how? Okay, Vivian, how? How, when, if we get China over here, can you tell them how you're, I just, I think she just like lives in a world where she thinks things can happen, which is great for her, you know, but yeah. it infuriates me every time she talks because I'm just like, you think you can solve the world's problems, but you're just saying a bunch of shit you don't actually have yeah. solutions to, which fine. Which I mean, I have made that argument before where like, I'll be like, yeah, I'm socialist and someone will be like, okay, explain to me how it works. And it's like, that's not my fucking job, dude. Like, I'm allowed to understand universal truths that, like, I don't want people to go hungry and I want people to have housing. And it's not my job to say how. Yeah, but she would never admit not knowing. That's the thing. That's the difference between Vivian and her. She would be like, oh, th- it is make something else, go into another tangent about something else. And you'd be like, okay. I- she definitely seems very difficult to communicate with. Yeah, I don't. I, I literally think she is talking to herself at all times, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, she does, I mean, she has, like, creative relationships where clearly there's, like, some back and forth, but it's, 
they start working together. Andreas encourages her to do couture. He can encourages her to do the ready to wear corset. He was super dedicated to Dior. And so like that, like really affected her. She says art takes a conversation, sometimes a conversation between a man and a woman about sex, which is like, they wait about what, why is that relate to whatever? I have no idea, <laughs> but like, I just had to put that in. Uh, but they talk a lot about like women's bodies and like, yeah. she tells him like, she would be like, look at this corset. Like it smushes the woman's boobs. Like you don't treat breasts like that and so they're like talking a lot about like women's bodies and she's yeah like don't don't squish things don't like make things uncomfortable i'm curious about the dior thing like did they sign with dior no 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 did they work with dior i think it's more like okay well because dior was like couture like dior is like the couture couture yeah so maybe it's like i think that they were just really inspired by dior i mean fair interesting though that's like the most obvious choice. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. What if we were inspired by the most famous fashion brand ever? <laughs> yeah. This is why I don't trust it. I don't, I'm like, is Andre's even as brilliant as he... I like, I don't know. Yeah. I just want to... We'll see in 10, 20 years. I just want to know. There's going to be something that comes what out. What he does, like with the collection or... Yeah, I mean, he's already... He's been running it for... 10 years or something without like now she's definitely probably involved in some capacity but now that she's especially that she's dead it's all his right and i mean it still looks amazing it still like looks like vivian because also they've been working together since the 90s so it's like it's all and i think like she didn't give him as much credit in the beginning like his name wasn't on the line they married in 1992 because of visa reasons um and his name wasn't on the line until 2016 I didn't know that. Well, I mean, I think she was still doing a lot of it. And right. he was like, yeah. And I think eventually. But I'm st- I, I, I haven't I haven't done enough research or understand the if there was a, when the switch happened and if there was less of a focus on because I'm because when know, the what switch happened from her to him kind of yeah. taking over the fashion line, like it still looks very much like Vivian in the sense of like how cuts are made and how shape is and how yeah. things lay. And how they manipulate fabric. But she's, to me, Vivian is all about, I don't know. I mean, she is very focused on English, but she was always about meta, like metamorphizing, like changing and developing, coming up with ideas, looking yeah. to things that inspire her. I don't know. I, I can't tell if if Andre does that or not, mm-hmm. you know, or if he's just kind of copying and pasting what Vivian taught him mm-hmm. into the line. And that's just like... I, I don't know if anybody – I haven't seen any critiques about it. I haven't seen really anything about it. So I'm waiting for someone to do more research, and then I read about it. But, you know. Right. Like, I mean, you have to imagine, though, like, if he's been working with her since 1992, so that's 20 – that's 30 years. Like, his whole fashion – it's like, how do you separate him – his design from her? Like, in that she – like – Obviously, he had other influences besides her, but like... It's also about process. How Vivian gets to designs is... is com- I'm saying they've been working together for 30 years. Like, I'm sure he... He's gone to all the museums with her. <laughs> well, obviously, they're different people, but like, he's... I ha- like have to imagine that he uses the same processor. Though, like, what inspires him? Yeah. It's just I- like they've been... He's been a part of the collection for so long, or the company that... I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see what I mean, happens. does he even need inspiration? Some people just... A lot of designers don't even like they pull things saying this was this and this and that, but not every designer is necessarily inspired as much as they just have to put things out. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think like it's also part of the pedagogy, like 
when we learned design, we right. learned like how to get inspiration through like a form and blah, blah, blah. So some of it is taught, but no one is as obsessive. It's like, yeah, he's not, doesn't have like the same brain as Vivian. Well, also that's the other thing. Vivian wasn't, didn't go through school. So she has a perspective that I think is important. That's like, honestly, you can't teach in school. It's like, thankfully, she like, she has the uneducated aspect of the eye and, you know, desire to like think outside this box because she never was in the box. And I don't know if like you can replicate that, you know, with anything. Educated herself though. Like, yeah, she didn't go to fashion school proper, but like she probably read a lot of books. I'm not saying she didn't read a lot of books. I know, but so I'm saying like what... Like, I guess I just, it's like almost like you're describing her as like untainted by, it's almost like you're saying that she had raw genius versus like everyone else. It's like they, they get taught. So it's like, no, it's not, not being the taught part. I think there's, there's a certain, like, this is how things are done within the fashion learning part. And Uh she was, she was never having to be told like these are the things that are done this is how this is what's considered beautiful this is what you know what i yeah, mean yeah like, yeah she didn't learn those aspects so she created her that's why her th- stuff is so weird and unique in the way that it is yeah because she just yeah it was like yeah because it's like you're reading different things but you don't have a per like a teacher in front of you being like this is how we this is how we always done this um yeah so her family loves andreas he goes to the pub with her mom on friday just for funsies <laughs> She's like, I think he's like, it wasn't even to like appeal to me. He just really liked my mom. She was like, my mom wasn't into politics. So I think he like, actually, it was actually a nice break for him from her. (laughs) That's so funny that her mom is not into politics. Yeah. She says the mental stimulation is my main reason for staying with Andreas. Um, Apart from the fact that I'm committed to him and whatever he does, I will stick by Andreas. And the way I see it, he can do whatever he wants. And I don't just mean creatively. I like to think for myself. I am proud and I am a rebel. So I would never stoop ever to expect anything from anybody that didn't want to give it to me. I would never, ever demand anything from a man. Wow. Honestly, Andres got, I mean, this is what a gold digger would love to have. Like if I were someone, I, I am someone, if I were ever to marry someone purely for like the aspect of like getting like... I don't know, power, like whatever, and money. Um, Vivian would be a, a great sell. I would just like, I would like a man that let me do whatever the fuck I want, would invite me to the art stuff mm-hmm. and like learn crafts, like, and give me money and clothe me. I mean, literally ideal in that. that I mean, to be fair, she didn't just give him money. He was working for her. Like, not to say that it's not a huge opportunity to get that job, but it's like he wasn't like going to florida with the gals for the weekend he was like it was a it was a mutual like it i would call it a mutualism like he helped her uh yeah i mean she was definitely like giving him a lot of gifts and stuff like she was obviously the one with the, the most money at this point yeah yeah she had more money than him yeah but i mean it definitely helps that she has a lot of money you know what i mean and power in the fashion world like that's a part of her appeal so are do you think that he was actually in love with her Probably. I can't tell you if they are or not. What is love? You know, this is going to make me cycle out of things. Um, but I'm sure he cared for her in some capacity. He, they had a relationship. Yeah. I'm not saying I think gold digging's great. I mean, I think people that do gold digging, not to say this is necessarily exactly what gold digging looks like, but in our true form, I'm saying if I were a gold digger, 
and looking for a person. This would be a good option. This would be ideal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Having money is definitely a characteristic that can attract people. Or just hiring me into your cool job. Right. And he was like really inspired by her. He was like, she was like, because she was already, she already had a fucking career. I could fuck whoever I wanted. Yeah. And I mean, relationships should feel like a good deal. Like, exactly. Not that you necessarily should be able to fuck whoever you want. Like, because there's biological. I mean, I wouldn't now in my time or I would just be like, God, fucking, that sounds exhausting. Right, right. But hypothetically, the freedom is there. You could. By the early 90s, there are only eight people on the payroll. It's a recession. Joe, her son, Joseph Correa, was in charge of the company. It was run like a family business. And he, Joe left because he didn't get along with Carlo. Remember the Italian guy? Who was Joe again? Her son. So he leaves because he didn't get along with Carlo. And Vivian says it's the worst day of her life. Because she felt like she had to choose between them. And she chooses Carlo, basically, because she was like, (laughs) he's given up a lot to like... Honestly, she's shot. Yeah. I mean, you should pick your kids, too, but... uh, But then her kid went off and started his own company, you know? I think he's all right. He also did that documentary with her. Which one? Oh. Where he burns, like, $2 million worth of punk gear, including... Because he was like, my dad would be... I was like, no, your dad would be in some money. Like, you're... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, your dad is going to sue you for copying his designs, actually. Exactly. But he, like... His dad was dead. I think he was just going through something. Um, I want to watch the doc, but I'm scared it's going to be really boring. So I haven't watched the doc. That's fair. Vivian Westwood gets introduced through world-renowned hairdresser. Some world-renowned hairdresser introduced Vivian to Linda Evangelista, Naomi Campbell, quote, but in such a way that they would do her shows for much less than their usual rates. Oh. So. Vivian. It's... Advertising where models make the most money, but you only get advertising if you're hot and being in a Vivian show was as hot as you could get. You should, Vivian had the money to pay them enough. Do you think? Uh, it's, yeah, a hundred percent. I don't know. I mean, they, uh, still at this company, still at this point, the company's not like big, but I mean, they probably could have paid them like somewhat more and they, yeah. They're, they're not just, paying like, the models that much. I don't know. That just seems like, I get what they're they're go. I, the point of that is to show people were clawing at her stuff just right. to access right. it. But I'm also like, we know Vivian isn't really known to pay her employees that much, so I'm just like, there's no reason for people to have to do that. But yeah, I mean, and I, it's like I don't know exactly what the finances were at this point, but it's like she's like if you're comparing her to like other fashion brands that these models would be walking for, it's like her business is like way smaller than theirs but she's like still going hard for the 1800s vogue writes that she's like england's best designer like best designer of the century that she single-handedly revitalized england's traditions of tailoring and creating opulent evening wear she gets this exhibit in the victoria albert museum about her sarah jessica parker insists on wearing vivian westwood um Good, good on Sarah Jessica Parker. This is why she's a fashion icon. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, at this point, Vivian Westwood isn't, like, that... Like, she's famous in some circles, but at that point, like, you're not going to get money from Vivian Westwood to put your dress in the show, whereas they could have, like, gotten indoor, like deals with the brand mm-hmm. to do their dress. But SJP was like, nope, I gotta... Joe, her son Joe gets married. The wedding's really dramatic. Like, Malcolm McLaren, like, stands up and says something, like... Oh, my God. I know. He says something, like, rude 
up to about Ben or like he hated Ben, which is by the way his not bio- biological son. It's the actually like, it's like Mr. Her son Westwood, with Derek Westwood. Yeah. yeah, and so and then like Joe is like, don't talk about my brother that way. Good like for Joe. from the fucking altar. And oh my god, Malcolm ruins literally everything. But I love this tea. I didn't know that. I need a tape of this. Yeah, are they still married? No, they. But they started. Um, That's a weird way to start a marriage. They <laughs> they started the company. What's the company that Joe has? The lingerie company. The lingerie company. But didn't he sell that company? I don't know. I followed Joe for a brief second just because I was like, what is Joe's deal? Like I was like, are Vivian Westwood kids like pam anderson's kids <laughs> like you know his lingerie company is called agent provocateur so he starts that with his um ex-wife serena reese or something and they have a baby who vivian names or suggests the name cora so she's cora caray and then and then malcolm gives her the middle name honeysuckle okay <laughs> i don't know the word suckle should not be there it's just out of his mouth don't say suckle she gets so that was what i was saying before she gets in a fight with her granddaughter when they go to the british museum cora shows up in something a little too comfortable i I really want to see the outfit yeah vivian says the convention that comfortable clothes should be loose fitting is a convention of our time i feel comfortable when i think i look great and i couldn't bear to put on shapeless stamped out mass manufactured clothes yeah she's all about you know she she has good clothes for a reason. I mean, she cares about the quality and yeah. Though, wait, what happened to Ben? Did he get married? I don't think Ben did much with his life, from what I remember. Joe was at least like mad at his dad enough to do stuff, you know. Mm. Um, I think Ben. I don't know. I get the vibe. I don't know anything though that he's a little depressed. I mean, it's a good guess these days. <laughs> like, I'm I'm getting. ADHD, <laughs> anxiety. Depression. Yeah, I just feel like he, his, I feel like his life was so fucked up, like quite yeah, honestly. For sure. I'm like impressed that they all like each other. Now, yeah, like Ben did so much to get like his mom's attention and she never gave it to him because she was too busy Oh toiling. yeah, D- Derek Westwood is a photographer of erotica. Derek Westwood or Ben? Oh, Ben Westwood, sorry. <laughs> Freudian slip. That would be a huge. That would be a pivot. shock. That would be a huge pivot for buttoned up yeah. Derek Westwood. Exactly. Oh, okay. That's weird. <laughs> That's a weird. I don't know. I don't like that either. But whatever. Yeah. I wonder. I want to. I, I want to see the photography. If if it's just like hot girls, just like full pussy, I'll be upset at him. Okay. So we're gonna transition into the last segment of Vivian's ideologies. We have her punk years, we have her Anglomania, and then the last thing that defines her career is what? What was her last, like, uh, what 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 was the last thing she was going on about? <laughs> climate. She's, like, becomes, oh, like, a big... Oh, yeah. Julian Assange, Assange, and, like, all that She stuff. basically becomes an activist is like she describes and a lot of people describe her to Vivian she says what I'm doing now it is still punk it's still about shouting about injustice and making people think even if it's uncomfortable it's like about not trusting the government climate revolution is punk someone says one constant truism would have to be Vivian's lack of hunger for commercial success though arguably Carlo has plenty and Andreas too it's interesting because it's like she doesn't ever really seem to care about getting big or like making a ton of money but she like does like does have these people who see how much potential she have has and like capitalize on it with her but like mm-hmm. it's like without them I don't know it's like 
she doesn't quote unquote care about success, but she is always allowing people to help her be successful. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't, I don't think she's like, she is business savvy, but I think it's only the people that she has surrounded herself with that have like really, I just think she's not that interested in business part of it. Yeah. Because like Malcolm really dealt with that on the beginning part. And I think she just wants to be like, either she wants to talk about something that's not relevant at all to business or she's toiling with her clothes. Like, right. Yeah. So she's just like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Right. I'm, I could just totally see that. But it's also like to some degree, it's like she has these views about climate and sustainability and it's like so there's this push and pull between how genuine are her beliefs and her activism given that she has like a multi-million dollar clothing company Mm -hmm. and fashion's one of the biggest gas guzzlers in that aspect of it she reads like james lovelock's gaia hypothesis it's like core to her environmentalist thinking which i'm pretty sure the gaia hypothesis is that like the earth is an organism and we're basically like cells in that organism kind of a thing it's like one one organ that's kind of like how i think now where i'm just like the earth is like a living being and i'm just like part of it it, i guess like so she says our economic system is run for profit spoiler and waste and based primarily on the extractive industries and it is the cause of climate change she supports like amnesty international the refugee council PETA, environmental justice foundation friends of the earth she gets like, you know, she's doing some stuff like the T-shirts are manufactured in Britain to assure low ecological impact and like the use of organically grown cotton. She's like, you know, the thing with environmentalism is that like it becomes so it's like so privileged. Do you know a statistic that came up recently? What? Well, I'm on the tree ambassador um City of Bellevue people created this group because we were trying to hit 40% for our tree canopy, and we're at, like, 39. Ooh, do you have, like, one of those thermometers on the wall? I think, oh, you yeah, know what I mean? There. Like, to get, like, a pizza party? Yeah, no, that's hilarious. We should. It, City of Bellevue's got such a pole stuck up their entire ass, but love you, City of Bellevue. You know what I mean, okay? <laughs> yeah. We In the Tree Ambassador Club, there's a lot of, like, older people and younger people and it's really interesting because but like we had to go around and talk about what we do for a community what's important values important to my community i live in a homeowner most of them retired kind of area that's affluent and i was like nothing there's nothing of value in my community they don't value community so there is no community um and then but i didn't say that they skipped over me because i was like i have nothing good to say i can't say it at all you know this one young girl was like i live in an affluent area and all that matters value is ego because ever all the older people were like we care about the environment in my community mm-hmm. and i was just like i don't think you actually do i, I don't know there's there was some there was a difference between the young people saying it seems like our community cares really about themselves and then like the older people in the in similar communities being like we care about the environment so i was just like discussing that with my friend and there's like oh statistically it's like social justice or like social issues are higher up on the younger you are and then like environmental issues become more prominent mm-hmm. the older you get mm-hmm. and and i think it's like usually comes with income like right. i mean social issues there's a lot of things more stimming i mean like the environment and social issues are obviously entangled but like they are isolating like they're isolating it because when you because it can be a good excuse to like not build things where you don't want to build them or like i mean it's it is and also that they have access to a lot of it right yeah so it's it's got this like I mean, and it's not that that's like, she's not only campaigning for the environment. She does like, she does like 
talk about other things and people, but I think that's just like it to contextual. It's like if we're contextualizing her within her life, like where she grew up and and like why she thought the things she did. It's like, yeah, as you get older that you're then like, I mean, yeah, climate change became a big thing while she was in her later part of her career. And so, I mean, she's excitable, you know, she's, she's freaked the fuck out about it. She gets very passionate and she, you know, she does, she makes this whole deck of cards that have like, like, it's like very like graphic, like, um, this kind of like cool designs, but it'll be like Teddy the bear. Like, it's like, we're all in this system. Cockroach propaganda. Go on. It's like, yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, she didn't pay her, like she was like anti-union and stuff. So, um, and as they are, like, as you get older, like I said, it's like environmental issue. That's why I think we are kind of like, oh, I don't like it when people, it's like, there's a thing that makes me feel weird when older, it's literally when older people talk about the environment. I'm like, I don't know. There's something about it that. I mean, I, to be honest, I don't really trust that statistic, like, because I feel like that's just something that's happening now in particular. Maybe. Like, I feel like. But yeah, I don't know. But I do definitely buy the connection between wealth and environmentalism because it's like, yeah. how can you even afford to care about the environment? It's all, it's all just, it's also like very individualistic. It's about clean water for you and your family right. and like your legacy. Right. You want to make sure your kids yeah. don't have to like breathe smog or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But so this becomes like a big, this becomes like core to her designs. You know, she's like, it's like kind of like continuing her graphic t-shirts whatever but now it's about like the planet yada yada and her fashion shows there's this copy of an email that she sent naomi campbell where she's just listing out these bullet points about climate change she's like hi naomi how are you did you know that by 2022 See, this is what i'm saying go on it's like it, no it literally reads like uh it's it's like she's the person with a clipboard on the street where you're like I want to help. I want to support you because I know you're just doing a minimum wage job, but you're so annoying me right now. <laughs> she's not making a minimum wage job and she's still annoying. Right. She just like makes it feel like, I don't know. I Sometimes she just repeats herself over and over again and as well tells you information that you already, you're like, yeah, Vivian, everybody knows that. Yeah. I mean, did everyone know it in, 20, in 2007? It's like she... I think so. I'm pretty sure there was a there's some documentaries my dad really hated. So yeah, like people weren't convinced to the degree that they are now. Maybe it's the same. Maybe it was like I think our parents weren't convinced. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like like th- some people I, some people have come around since then. Vivian announces that she would cease further expansion of her business as a way of tackling environmental sustainability issues. There's like some weird things with taxes at some point where it's like. They have banks in like Luxembourg where it's like maybe it's like offshore accounts kind of a thing. Uh huh. Vivian Westwood has offshore accounts. In August 2011, Vivian Westwood LTD agreed to pay 350,000 euro in or pounds in tax plus interest due in 2009 to HM Revenue and Customs for underestimating the value of her brand. Her UK business had sold the rights to her trademarks to Luxembourg-based Latimo, which she controlled. They sold it in 2002, and HMRC argued that the brand had been undervalued. I don't know. That sounds complicated as fuck it to does, me. It does. It does. I mean, I don't... So John Landon, I think, is the guy, the guy from Sex Pistols. He always called, like, he's like, Malcolm and Vivian are a bunch of shysters. 
uh, that try to like get money out of anybody, which I'm like, I don't know how much Vivian actually cared about that as much as Malcolm did. But sometimes I'm like, is, is Vivian trying to pull one on us? I don't know. Like, right. So, okay. Last, this is the, this is the climax. Not really. I don't want to set up expeditions <laughs> that high, but I'm this just, is not the climax. Yeah. We're just cuddling right now. <laughs> um, which if that's your climax, that's fine. Yeah. You know? Okay. <laughs> you don't we're, like, we're asexual positive yeah exactly okay so in 2007 she writes a manifesto called active resistance to propaganda it's described on the website as rooted in culture as the stimulus to save the planet for future generations it involves like a ton of characters it's like pinocchio alice in wonderland Hitler makes an appearance. It starts, Dear friends, Classic. We, we all love art and some of you claim to be artists. Without judges, there is no art. That's an idea from Gary Ness. She only exists when we know her. Does she exist? The answer to that question is of vital importance because if art is alive, the world will change. No art, no progress. We must find out. Go in search of her. But wait, who is this fire crackling, smoldering pigtails, gold teeth, and a brace of flintlocks in his belt? He is a pirate. And what does his t-shirt say? I love crap. Pirate hands Vivian Westwood a Hawaiian garland of plastic flowers. Pirate, leave everything to me. I plunder for you. Stick with me and you might get a share of my bounty. My name is Progress. But you have stolen imagination. There's hardly anyone left now who believes in a better world. What is the future of unlimited profit in a finite world? Pirate Progress, I like your artistic lot, but trust me or not, I'll take you with me if I go down. We'll all burn together. See? See, I hope you're convinced now, everybody, about how annoying Vivian Westwood is. <laughs> you, so she's definitely annoying. Um, so I read this, and I want to say that I came into it with the biggest fucking stick up my ass. Like, I was, I already thought it was stupid before I started. I mean, I did, too. I still am. I still think it's stupid. And I think that I kind of get it. What do you get? What, what do you translate it? I mean, she... I make the great claim for my manifesto that it penetrates to the root of the human predicament and offers the underlying solution. We have a choice to become more cultivated and therefore more human or by choosing to be destructive and self-destroying animal, the victim of cleverness. It's basically, okay, so it's, okay, so it says art is the only objectivity available to human beings. Real life, including science, cannot do this. Art is objectivity. Okay. So, So, like... I mean, yeah, that that is like 101 art theory, though. Like, that's like subjectivity versus objectivity and like it, what is art, essentially. And it's like it has – you have to – there has to be a viewer for it to be considered art. That's what he's saying with the judging. Uh-huh. But I don't get this whole – pirate coming in being like we're progress it just feels like that obviously there's no beginning middle and end to this story that she's telling is all and it feels like it's very like rapid fire like like wait have you read it i can't remember no 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 no. well i'm just giving you pieces so like it still seems so the pirate comes in at one point so why does that matter i was just wondering if like the the did you like break up anything with well the pirate comes in early there's a lot of characters so it's i mean it's like it is a bit it's a bit heavy-handed like where it's like yeah i mean obviously she's saying this stuff like just super 
uh, like they stop at a conference along the way. Philosopher, we need more festivals. Top cultural advisor, we need a common vision of the importance of television and cinema for the cohesion of society. Choreographer, dance is the only international language. It should be at the top of every agenda. Rapper, I need the state to sponsor my music. The internet only helps establish artists. Well, uh, basically, I think what she's saying is like, I feel like I'm doing this a disservice, but okay, one more thing. Art is the antidote to climate change. Lady art lover. It's true, we don't have to wait for art. She exists, but time is running out for the art lovers. I'm talking about the planet. It's all very well to say that we can become more human through art, human enough to save the planet. Meanwhile, all we can do is believe in Alice and Pinocchio. I think, so remember when we read, was it Donna Haraway that, or Anna Singh that was like critiquing the idea of progress? Donna Haraway definitely critiques the progress. She talks about like... But I don't know. And, and, and so does Anna Singh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. She talks about like progress as linear and how like if you're, if you're moving towards a linear progression, you're just moving towards an end, right? So mm. it's like we keep thinking we're like making things better, making things better. Like we introduce these technologies to like quote unquote solve problems. We like have this like thought that like anytime you're inventing new things or growing your company or like doing the next thing chronologically it's progress like as a society we think like you know yeah like of course companies get bigger of course things expand of course we start we keep like building new technologies because it's progress but like if progress is linear then there's an end it's finite Mm -hmm. whereas if you seek universal truth through art that's not Based on science, it's not based on, it's like probably, this seems like it's like an anti-positivist approach where she's like, art is the only truth. It's, you, we have to like move towards the middle and discover like universal truth rather than searching for some like answer that can like, it's like how we look on the past and we're like, they didn't know about science like we do today. And it's Mm -hmm. like, actually there's like universal truths that we can discover. And if you discover the universal truth through art, which is that like all that matters is like expression and like being alive and being connected i'm like this is me paraphrasing to some degree Mm -hmm. or like inserting my own beliefs but like that that's how you solve climate change because it's like the rejection of progress and the and the like focus on art and like i see culture and humanity i guess yeah i mean you mean like if we started to like put more color in our world and like valued something other than progress there would be some shift yeah and i mean I don't know if this is how she meant it, but art to me is like a meditation on something and to like to do that, to like meditate on an idea or a method or whatever is anti-progress and it's anti-productive. It's like if we if we were moving towards that for instead of moving towards like I need to get better and like do more or whatever, mm-hmm. then I don't know. Yeah. But, and it's like very Vivian, you know, it's like like you're it's like not specific. It's like she it's it's I kind of agree with what she's saying if I'm interpreting it correctly but it's like you You probably are but she then it's like she does also have like a fashion brand she makes clothes yeah she makes clothes and And she produces clothes like sometimes beyond the fashion line she collaborates with companies that mass produce her fashion What's that, Vivian? That's like the worst thing that you can really do. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard because it's like, you're like, well, it's not as bad as some other things. And we all have jobs, you know? And then it's like, 
one day I could get promoted and then am I the bad guy all of a sudden? Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Because then I'm in charge, so it's like, yeah, then you're supposed to... But then it's like also this thing, it's like she has this company that's like employing so many people. You can't just blow the thing up. The other thing about her is like she doesn't see the context of labor as being intertwined with the environments, which it very much is. But like... She's a workaholic. That, that, that was something that I was reading in one of the books. Uh, she's a workaholic. And even though that they pronounce, like, working as being, like, not cool, um, especially Malcolm, he would, he, like, that was one of his whole things was, like, why have a job? It's stupid. Um, which I totally agree with. But And, like, Vivian would, t- would take on that kind of ideology a little bit. But, like, at the same time, being the most workaholic person, she has no life. Like, she... Was con- the reason she's so prolific is because she has day and night been working, which is on how she this. was like able to do it while she was like also a teacher, you know? Yeah, she's like so obsessive. Yeah, so it's just like I think she has a very bad uh, relationship with with work essentially, and then she expects others around her to meet that standard, and people get burnt out, and uh, and they're not getting paid enough. And she doesn't see, she doesn't understand why. Because I, I think she, like literally her relation, it's just like she can't. Well, it's like, it's like, uh, it's, cl- a, it's classic like small business slash arts where it's like you're expected to be as passionate as the person in charge. It's like you're just really expected to be passionate. And it's like not, it should, which shouldn't be a requirement for a job. But also it's like you're working in fashion. It's like. I know, but. You know, fashion doesn't have to be that hard. We've just made it that hard. Right. Yeah. So in conclusion, I feel like, yeah, that's, I don't really, I, do we have to do a conclusion? No, that's, and then Vivian died. And Vivian died. <laughs> <laughs> she died recently. And Andreas did like a farewell collection to her. It had like her face on some of the clothes. Oh, I didn't and know Cora that. Correa, Cora Correa, Joseph's daughter, like, walked in it. She's a model now. She, like, walked down the runway with Oh, I got to check her out. Yeah, she's um, gorgeous. And, yeah, so the collection was a tribute to Vivian. It's got a lot of plaids, a lot of drapey stuff. And, yeah, long live Vivian Westwood, the really nuanced person that she is. Yeah, I think it's, like, we are drawn to critiquing people more when they are, when they present themselves to us as good and it's like, we're not picking her apart to be like, she's any worse than the rest of them. But I just think it's really interesting to look at her views, where they've come from, how they've changed. And yeah. And so then next time we're going to be talking more about the actual fashions. The I'm going to be picking out three of her lines and then discussing in depth of like where she, her focus and why she picked the things that she did. I know Pirates is definitely going to be one I go deep in just because it is so interesting to me um and i'm probably gonna do the the first line with her corset and the other one is gonna be a wild card so we'll see yay all right okay love you love you bye